Hello, this is Ronald. This is Hannah. And um, we normally don't do this, but um, we are going to do a trigger warning for this episode of the Aroma Japan podcast. Why are we doing this, Hannah? Well, this time around, we're going to be talking about some very, very heavy subjects. So if you're uncomfortable with any forms of abuse in terms of talking about it, please, please save it for next time. Sorry, guys. Save it for next time? What does that mean? As in, skip this episode for next episode. No, don't skip this episode. Just um, fast forward through problematic parts. But yes, this episode does deal with some heavy topics, including abuse and suicide. And also, too, if, you think, if you're thinking of killing yourself, don't. The world is a wonderful place, even though it can seem like shit at sometimes. Especially you know? this week. <laughs> Why this week? Because it's the first week of 2021, and so much has already happened. New beginnings. Um, New beginnings. But yes, don't kill yourself. And trigger warning, this episode contains talk about killing yourself. Not me and Hannah, but someone that we're covering. And also yeah, abuse. Yeah. Lots so, of abuse. Enjoy. So Hello. It is me, Ronald, and we are back with another episode of the Aroma Japan podcast. This month, we are covering December 2020, the last month of that year. This comes, Very a- long year. <laughs> this comes after our year-end episode because our year-end episode, we want to just do, just like cover the year. But December, it's its own entity. It should have its own episode. And... Mm-hmm. I am here tonight with my co-host, Hannah. Hello, everyone. So to kick things off, we are going to start with the year-end shows, which Hannah did not watch. I mean, Uh, they're always the same thing over and over again. Okay, this year, I'll admit, they they were actually pretty good. You didn't watch them, so how do you know? Because the lineup for Kohaku was better than it ever has been for like 50 years. Okay, so the big show was the 71st NHK Kohaku Utsukasen. And the red team won, which was the women. It was their first time winning since 2016. So, um, <laughs> what do you say? It's like completely unsurprising. Let's, let's just be honest. So the thing is, is that every year that Arama's been going just about, we've had a live stream of the show and we have a little Discord chat. And so for me, it's like a marathon where it's just like you start with Kohaku and then as soon as that ends, you go to Johnny's Countdown and you're kind of like watching that along with CDTV. And then that ends and you watch CDTV for like a little bit and then one and then you kind of get tired and you realize you have plans for that night yourself. So you go to bed. At least if you're in North America, that's mm-hmm. that's the plan. Um, so I did watch all of Kohaku. Um, the show didn't have an audience this year due to COVID. And when I was watching it, 
live, it did move at a clip, which reminded me of last year when some people complained that it felt like a sporting event with how quickly it moved. And you know what? I like a lean Kohaku. I, I don't like cut out all of those like little cheesy bits, like with your Asadora tie-ins and like other crap, like just cut it out and just give me what I came for, which was just like the songs. The music. <laughs> the music. Um, the one performance that people were most hyped for, I would say was the Yoasobi one because it was their first time ever performing live. Oh, yeah. And I watched it and I was just like, I'm sorry. They just don't do anything for me. I'm like, eh. Well, that's because you're a grouchy 50-year-old on the inside and you just don't understand in a middle schooler's emo heart, okay? (laughs) Oh, please. When I was a middle schooler, I wasn't even like emo. Dude, that's just because at heart you were always a 50-year-old. No, because, like, when I was a teenager, I was, like, listening to, like, Britney and, like, Kylie and, like, being, like, happy and gay. Yeah, like, you were always a 50-year-old gay at heart, all right? Let's just be honest. So I don't, sorry, but songs about, like, throwing yourself off of a roof don't connect with me. (laughs) They just don't. No romance. Um... More like I am mentally well. No, you just have no romance. There's no romance in your soul. Werther does not connect with you. So I did watch Kohaku. I did like it overall. Um, I was very happy with... Okay, so something I realized about Kohaku, because actually, you know what, Hannah, you are right. I kind of am 50 years old. Um, The one performance I was kind of like the most hyped for... And you're going to be just like, oh, God, of course. I was really happy that Juju debuted. She, all right. So there's like a joke that at some point, like all of the hostesses in Kabukicho become like snack bar mamas, right? Singing with their. Oh, my God. Pause for a second. Pause for a second. But, um, but, um. So, do you know whose mom is actually a snack bar mama? Who? Eito. Wait, really? Yes. Because on his episode of Songs, they went to, um, he's from Yokohama, and they actually went to the snack bar where his mom works, and they interviewed her. Oh, my God. I don't know. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's just like a stereotype that at age 40... Like, everybody becomes a snack bar mama if you work in Kabuki, like, Kabukicho, right? hmm You own your own little snack bar on, like, the third floor of some dingy building, and you sing, like, really terrible jazz songs, right? Oh, my <laughs> God. I know where this is going. Yeah, 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 you know. So, like, you sing super uninspired and out of date music. You are just like a juju hater. I'm not um, a juju hater. I'm a juju realist. But this, uh, but then again, this does remind me of what friend of the show Tim said when he was just like, you know what, you your musical taste 
sometimes reminds me of this like 40 year old former Garu that I know who also loves Milia and Juju. Yeah. That was me trying to do an Australian accent. I know it sounds like New Zealand, but yeah. You sound like a Kiwi. <laughs> he was just like, he's like, yeah, like a 40-year-old Japanese woman that moved here to Australia and married like a white guy in his 20s. And is pining I'm, for her high school days. That's exactly what you're like. I don't pine for my high school days. Sorry. If I was doing that. Your musical tastes are, I want to go back to 15 years ago. How is Juju saying I want to go back to 15 years ago? Juju is like kind of just like I'm old and I'm ready to be old. Literally yeah, snack bar years ago. Literally snack bar mama music, as you just said. Yeah, but she's from 15 years ago. She's not relevant now. Relevant enough to get on Kohaku. And to have a number one album this year. So moving on. Um, to another person who I was just like, oh, so good. No, but, but you forgot the best comment from Kohaku. What? How Lisa came on right after Arashi and somebody on oh, the God. Discord was literally like, this will forever be blazed into my memory. Someone, I don't know who you are, but you definitely had the best quote of 2020. They were just like, Arashi's graduation has been going on for years and they've been around for so long. And then Lisa comes on with the theme song from Demon Slayer. Yes, because she performed right after Arashi. And it was just cathartic. <laughs> um, but someone else I really liked performing, my other, like, my one of my other personal favorite hags even though she's not a hag she's like still like going um the closer of the show misha mm -hmm. i mean but he always does really fun to be frank since last year i've actually thought misha was a very fitting pick mm -hmm. it wasn't a, it wasn't like a gay pride parade like it was last year but it was still fun yeah it was still fun for those who don't remember, last year Misha turned um, the Kohaku stage into her own personal pride parade and had everyone on the show waving rainbow flags. It was a very surreal moment. Quite great. And one of my guesses was right. I said that Hoshino Gen would um, perform his stay-at-home anthem, Uchide, no, sorry, Uchide Oruru. Mm -hmm. And he actually has, like, fleshed out the song, so it actually sounds like a full song. Not it, just some, like, little one-bit hoozy that he made up on his toilet or something. Oh, my God. I wasn't thought you were going to say his guitar, but, like, it's not just him and a guitar for 30 seconds now. It's a full-on song. <laughs> so, yeah, I liked Kohaku. I thought it was pretty good. And the ratings did go up. But that's a given, given that pretty Everyone's much, at home. yeah, because of like Japan entering their third wave. That being said, that being said, I would actually argue even without the third wave, even without the shutdown, it would have still gone up. Because for all that I didn't watch it, I do think there was a lot more effort put into the lineup 
than I've seen in years. I mean, like, yeah, I like the lineup. Like, some people had complaints. Like, the only person, only person I really thought was missing that represented this year would have been, like, King New. I mean, both of them. Who? King New and Ethel. Ethel was there. He was... Wait, Dish, Dish, Dish. That's what oh, I Oh, Dish. Mm-hmm. So you can, you think, you think... Ugh, dish. When I think of dish, I think of like how they look like. I don't like their image right now. They look like drug addicts. Well, the only person that I really needed is that dude who sang Neko, right? Okay, now you're like being Tim's worst fan, worst nightmare, which is basically them just taking the vocalist whose whose name escapes me right now, and like them centering him and like promoting him as like a soloist when really dish is a band okay but let's be honest right like who cares about the band this is kohaku kohaku only cares about relevance okay but in reality who cares about dish because aimeon was there and dish doesn't exist without aimeon yeah like honestly all you need is aimeon to sing neko right for those who don't know Dish, I mean, I'm Yonic. Um, for those who do not know, Dish's Neko is an I'm Yon song. She wrote and composed the song. So basically, mm-hmm. you don't need them there when. Um, you just need two there. slots for I'm Yon. <laughs> oh, and by the way, going back to Juju for a second, it was not an immemorium performance like you guys said it was going to be. There was no giant picture of, of Miura Haruma in the background like you guys said was going to happen. Yeah, but she also wasn't being talked about, so it doesn't even matter. Like it was a non. But if um if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, like right before she came on, the host said something about just like seventeen years, and she's like, "Yeah, was it seventeen or a long time? Was it seventeen? <laughs> was it seventeen years or thirteen years? I think she. I think it was thirteen years. I think it was like thirteen years, and she's like, "Yeah." 13 years. I don't know why Juju was never on. Like at first, I don't Juju does every show she can go on and she she had the relevance over a decade ago. I don't know why she yeah. didn't make it. I mean, if damn I mean, it's so if, confusing. <laughs> if damn, you know who should have been on? Juju should have been on instead of Leah Dizon. Yeah, like there's just a lot of confusion. <laughs> Or like that, that toilet girl. Well, Toyota no Kamisama was actually like a viral hit at that point. So that makes sense. But Leah Dizon did not need to be there. In fact, like Ito Yuna, for all that I love her, Juju was infinitely more relevant at that time than Ito Yuna. Baby, please take a chance. <laughs> That's a terrible party. <laughs> Um, that's what she sounds like. Baby, please take a chance. Did you just uh, inhale helium? <laughs> um, no, that's just me whining. <laughs> oh, but like another, okay. So another thing is that, um, that happened during Kohaku was I was very confused about generations because I was watching them and I was just like, they look like a Johnny's group right now. 
they look like a Johnny's group. I was so confused. And other people were just like, wait, they're not a, people on Twitter were like, wait, they're not a Johnny's group. I'm like, no, they're an LDH group. And I was so confused because they were wearing like white military outfits of like gold stitching and like gold epaulets. And then the, they, and then I was looking at um, Ray Osano's Instagram because reasons. Um, and I was like, oh, they were, they thought they were Michael Jackson. They thought they were dressed as Michael Jackson and all I got was Johnny's group. See, here's the thing, right? I feel like LDH is just at um at like a very they have an identity crisis. So they started at the as this Oda Oda K group because like you know, at the time like they were supposed to be the counterpart of Garu and then Adashi and or like as the netizens the- would say, construction workers, um, yeah. Yakuza members. Yeah, yeah, but then you had like Goksen and like um, a couple of Johnny's group- groups doing it infinitely better and more marketable than they ever will. So then they just parodied K-pop when K-pop got banned off the air in 2012. But K-pop came back with a vengeance. And so now they're just like, well, what do we do now? We've never come up with an idea on our own. So the thing that LDH did is that they stopped tanning and they actually washed their hair. Oh, wow. The first time in 15 years. And then they started bleaching it. (laughs) And now they're just like, okay, we still have like hot bodies, um, but now we're not as tan. And now our hair is washed and bleached, but what do we do now that there's younger people who also aren't tanned with bleach hair? They're kind of like old twinks now that I think about it. Wait, what? They're kind of like old twinks where it's kind of just like someone younger. I wouldn't say the K-pop groups are hotter visually well that is your opinion in my opinion they look a bit too feminine compared to ldh well that is your opinion but going to skipping from ldh now we are now going to go to the show that comes right after johnny's countdown um so i watched johnny's countdown because I'm going to go ahead and say it. I said it before on the other podcast, The Year in One. I feel as if 2020 was like the year of Johnny's. I felt like there was so many changes within the company for the good. And I was just like, it's kind of just like, oh my God, you guys are actually doing your job. Yeah, they really are. Um, it's, It's kind of just like, and then they promptly reversed all of that good behavior. <laughs> but I'll talk it's, about that later. It's kind of just like being browbeaten for years. And then they stop abusing you. And then suddenly you're just like, oh my God, amazing. That's what it feels like. Like for oh, years. No, they didn't just stop abusing you. Okay. They okay. We'll get to that in a like moment. A we'll get to that in a moment. But um, one thing that happened is when the announcement was first made for the countdown, um, a lot of fans noticed that 
there were some missing acts. So basically, the lineup this year was News, Kanjani A, Cartoon, Hey Say Jump, Kiss My Foot 2, Sexy Zone, ABCZ, Johnny's West, King and Prince, Stones, and Snowman. Mm -hmm. So one thing people were just saying was V6 is their 25th anniversary this year. And also they were the reason Johnny's Countdown started. Where is V6? Where are the hot dads of the company? Nowhere. And then also too, Kinky Kids. They had an album out like the same week. Where's Kinky Kids? So basically... The company made this Johnny's Countdown about the new generation groups and left a lot of the old generation groups out. And they didn't even bother to tell Kinky Kids or V6 beforehand. They found out that they were not going to be part of Johnny's Countdown when the press release announcing the show came out. You know, the funniest part about that is that there is actually a SISO article exactly on this topic. Hmm about how there's now like a veritable civil war between um johnny's just had a civil war they're having a second one <laughs> sounds like america right now i know right it's almost like it's spreading but yeah um they're having a second civil war where literally it's just all these new fans coming in because they're actually trying for once and all these old fans being like, why are they taking our spot? Well, I never call myself a Johnny's fan, but the thing you is... You are a Johnny's fan. Let's get this straight. Okay, so I will say I like Johnny's... Okay, I Shonen Tai, great group. Because the thing is, though, is that I feel as if, like, sometime in the 90s, Johnny's lost Johnny's fell out of sync of what was happening with music because like Shonen Tai sounds like they are from the 80s because they are from the 80s like what I okay so ABC is my favorite Johnny song ever my second favorite Johnny song is V6's debut single Music for the People because basically it's a Eurobeat song. And something I've realized is that there are concepts that women do, which I don't like, but when you make a man do it, I'm like, yes. I don't want to listen to a woman singing Eurobeat. Sorry, I don't. But like, V6. sexist. Who's v the real Miss Sanders here? You're actually a misogynist. That's what it is. Oh my God. But V6 doing it, I'm just like, yes. Music for the people. Man in Japan. Yes, I'm here for this. Um, so, yes, some people were just noticing that. And then also, some. I had a conversation with a friend the other day, and she said that she was watching Johnny's Countdown, and she was just like, I felt like news was an afterthought. Like, they were kind of just, like, on top of a tour bus, just sitting down singing. And she was just like, they were kind of like, oh, we forgot about news. What are we going to do about news? Because two of their three members just got over COVID. So you basically had news just sitting on top of a double-decker bus riding through Ginza singing. Is that really even a smart idea? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then something else that people were noticing too was that, um, so basically Tokyo is done because Nagase Tomoya is leaving the company in March. So that group is essentially done. And they didn't get a send off. And then also two, um, two of the three members of Shonen Tai left Johnny and Associates this year. And then Shonen Tai did not get a send off either. And people were just like, why is it that Taki and Subasa, who nobody really remembers, can get a proper send off with all the Johnnies there? But these two groups, which are far more relevant, can't get anything. And the reason is, is because Tacky basically took over once Johnny died. Yeah. So basically, we all have to thank Tacky for what currently exists within the company. Yeah, but like clearly Tacky is doing something great. Then last year, I mean, for sure, Johnny's as an entertainment agency is the weakest it's ever been. But in terms of relevancy, they're the most relevant we've been ever. Like basically, let's be real. Um, if you didn't have Johnny's, Avex would have already fallen apart. Oh, yeah. Because they have Snowman, which is clearly the biggest act Avex has going right now, even mm-hmm. if they just distribute them. And then you also have Kiss My Foot too, which is still doing fairly well. When I say fairly well, they're probably the number two act <laughs> under Avex. Well, distributed, whatever. Um... But I did enjoy Johnny's Countdown. There were some moments I was kind of just like, what am I watching? Like, there was one moment where, um, I forget if it was ABCZ or Johnny's West. They were, like, performing as giant balls, like, giant inflated balls. That was weird. Um, But but it's Johnny's. You just accept that they're weird. (laughs) Yes, you just accept it. But skipping a, skipping back to the day before, um, well, CDTV, CDTV was like kind of just, it's always just kind of there. So not really much to say there. Um, but skipping back to the 30th of December was the Japan Record Awards, the 62nd edition. And they, found, they did something right. They actually gave the Grand Prix to an actual worthy song they gave it to lisa's homura so i'm just like okay i have no problem with that by the way hannah even though you're kind of like oh my people my year whatever um the thing is though is that i want the japan record award to be given to someone who actually has a hit doesn't matter if i like them or not i want them to acknowledge reality and giving it to fucking send them J soul brothers unfair world which no one has ever heard before is not reality that's true but like, they paid a million dollars for it like i love daichi miura but he should not have been nominated for whatever song he like had going up for this you're implying that nogizaka should have ever been a part of that award i love Nogizaka, don't get me wrong, right? I would totally wail for their singles, but let's be honest, Nogizaka has never had a relevant song. <laughs> Ever. In fact, their highest ranking song is actually Route 246. And when they performed it on Kohaku, it was the lowest 
It was also the first time a TK song had been on that show since when? Like 1999, 98? 20 years. Over, I would think. But yeah, like, let's be honest. Nogizaka should never have won that award. They're just not relevant. I mean, this is something that I've actually disagreed with uh, some, some like, ums and mutuals. But I just don't think, like, 20 years from now, we're not going to remember Nogizaka. Looking... We went through this and like I think the November episode where like I went through and like showed you the Japan Record Awards and how like oftentimes they're not really reality. Yeah. This year was special because like sure Paprika, I mean ignoring Paprika, right? Because there was a couple of issues with Paprika's Okay, list. Paprika came out in twenty eighteen. Why was it nominated for twenty nineteen? That's the thing that got to me. Cockblock the pump. Let's be frank. Paprika only won because the Pumps USA was the only other relevant song. And nobody else is paying for it. And no one wanted Memishkate, um 2018 to win. Yeah, basically. And then before that, the most relevant song that they had awarded in like the 10 years before that was literally AKB's Flying Get. There was a there was a Sendaime song in there that was relevant. So I think Ryusei won. Ryusei only became relevant after it won. No. The chart said otherwise, Hannah. <sighs> Whatever. They paid a million dollars for it. So yes, um Lisa won and the right song won. And then for Best New Artist, um, of course, another, like, bullshit award, because, like, I can think of, like, this was actually a year of new acts actually, like, breaking through, and, like, you get a bunch of no-names. I just don't understand. Like, I, I get it. They don't like nominating real people for this award. Big Bang has never been relevant in Japan. They should never win. Hello Project Acts haven't been relevant since Morning Musume was, was first formed. Let's be very honest here. They don't like acknowledging reality when it comes particularly to the new artist award. And we went through that too when I like looked and I named people that were nominated that had lost, like Ayumi Hamasaki losing. But let's also be really, really honest. Like, they didn't even nominate the real breakthrough big acts last year. Best New Artist of 20... Best New Artist of 2019... I'm sorry, of 2020 was clearly Snowman. Yeah. But they're a Johnny, so they can't be nominated. Okay, so we'll go to number two. Who's number two? Number two was Sit With Stones. Okay, again, a Johnny. So number three. Who was number three Best New Artist of last year? It has to be JL1. Why wasn't JL1 nominated? No, actually, Niju. That's right. So we literally have, like, off the top of our head, we have Stones, um, Niju, Snowman, and JL1, which all did so much more than the four acts that were nominated, which was Rene, Mameshiba no Taigun, Novel Bright, and Sanada Naoki. 
Well, Renee, Renee did get a little bit of traction to be Renee, Renee had a had a number nine streaming song for like a month. And yeah, that was is, that. Which is, you know, like give it to Yoasobi. Oh, right. <laughs> give it to Yoasobi. Give it to, I'm just thinking of just like people that like did better. Give it to Yuri for you know dry flower. Really so there's like a there's a meme among K-pop fans that 2017 was like one of the best years in existence for K-pop, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny because last year was literally that for J-pop. Oh my god, you just reminded me of something. Speaking of K-pop, um, someone retweeted because at the same time that Kohaku was happening, going back to Kohaku for a second, um, one of those Gaio Dejuns were happening, and yeah. it was a bunch of like. It was like some group called the Boys, and I think it was like uh-huh. some, some girl group. I think was it was it, Luna. Was it, Luna? it was Luna? Yeah. They were like they were like dancing to some the weekend song, and people were just like, "This is so corny and so cheesy." And then yeah. I was, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" So like when you get like a K-pop boy and girl group together, you end up getting them dancing to like the weekend. And then when you get a K- a J-pop girl group and boy group together, in this case, King and Prince and Nogi's Like a 46, you get them performing at Tokyo Disney singing like Disney songs on Kohaku. But which one is more embarrassing? Like, um, I don't know. The K-pop one. No way. I would, I, honestly, the K-pop one was more embarrassing. Like them like trying to be cool and like winking to the camera. And, like, I mean, you were and, like, awesome. And like, like and like K-pop rubbing K-pop. rubbing their lips and like trying to be seductive. I'm just like, ill, the cringe. Both are pretty cringe. I just don't understand why they even try. I just, yeah, that was like very embarrassing. But speaking of embarrassing, um, Mameshiba no Taigun. That incident. Well, do you want to talk to listeners okay. about exactly what so, happened? So when... Naoki won Best New Artist. Basically, one of the members of that group jumped into the air and then fell on the ground and started flailing. And then, because they lost, and then you see the other members of her group pick her up and carry her and like run off stage holding her smiling when he's accepting the award for Best New Artist. I just don't even understand. Like, okay. Let's be honest, I actually like Whack, right? But I don't get why they had to do that. I'm very familiar with their antics. And even then, I'm just like, but why? I feel like if we were back maybe like 10, 20 years ago, I feel like they would probably get banned from TV. Oh, for sure. It, like, felt, I just... it, it like kind of like almost like reminded me of the whole like Kishiden on Kohaku thing, where it's yeah. just like, oh yeah, you guys are never gonna be on TV again. You I guys just are... don't get it. Like people, all right. So some WAC fans were trying to justify to me that like, oh, this is just what WAC does, and I'm just like. Okay. 
I had someone say to me, oh, that was like the biggest thing of the show. And I'm just like, okay, no, it wasn't. And they were like, that's all I see anybody talking about. I was like, who are you looking at? And they were like, Twitter. And I'm just like, well, I'm looking at Natalie right now. And the headline from when the show aired and 12 hours later is still Lisa winning. It's still like the top headline on Natalie. And it's been like that all day. Like... The girl jumping and flailing and pulling that stunt was not something newsworthy. All the news shows are talking about it. No, Twitter is talking about it. That's it. I feel like it's also like when you curate your tea list, right, you get a different perspective. But there's also just the fact that like, in general, when I was, when I saw that, I was just like, okay, I get pulling wacky stunts but it's kind of like do you know the Kanye West moment when he went in front of Taylor Swift mm-hmm. I actually was there for that oh, I was really? a, I was a seat filler at the VMAs oh my god <laughs> I was a seat filler at the VMAs because one of my friends like was doing it and like we both applied and we both got it and I was I actually saw that live what was the reaction around you like what the fuck yeah, exactly. Like that that's exactly the reaction, right? Where you're just like, I don't understand. Like, what the hell are you doing? Right? Even as somebody as like quasi pseudo edgelord as I am, would just be like, this does nothing. <laughs> I thought whack was supposed to be like the edgy chunibyo group, but this is pathetic. Yeah, but um, also, too, on the Japan Record Awards, um, Arashi made an appearance to accept a special honor award. And I know you're probably thinking, Arashi on a Japanese TV show, what is special about that? But it's actually the group's first appearance on the show. Johnny and Associates is known for not taking part in the show. And this dates back to the 32nd Japan Record Awards in 1990. There was a dispute because the group Ninja thought that they should have been nominated for Best New Inca Artist or Best New Kayokoku Artist mm-hmm. for their song Omatsu, oh, Omatsuri Ninja. But instead, they got Best New Pop Artist. And honestly, listening to the song, I'm just like, what the fuck were you guys thinking? <laughs> Does this not sound like an Inca song? Does this not sound like a Kaiokuku song? It sounds like a pop song. <laughs> what are you guys thinking? You guys literally just want to, like, you guys just want to be special. Mm-hmm. And then That's so... All- for you. And so the company also thought that, like, if we go and put ourselves up for awards, it can create an unhealthy and competitive atmosphere from the company, which isn't good. So, yeah, so basically, like, it's taken 30 years to get another Johnny and Associates group on the show, but because they're retiring, they they got a special award. They got a participate... I can't even speak right now. They got a... Participatory? They got a participation trophy... Yay, millennial trophy. <laughs> um, yeah, so they were there. They were 
singing and dancing like they always do, like drunk dads, not hot dads like V6. <sighs> not everyone can be V6, sorry. <sighs> and now, what? Let's be honest. Good riddance. We're going to get to that in a moment. <laughs> but speaking of Johnny's, so... This has been something that has been in the makings for a while. So this actually started in July. In July of last year, um, Matt Alt, he wrote a book about Japanese cultural, the name escapes me right now. He wrote a book about Japanese cultural products and how they change the world. So things like the Walkman, the Game Boy, things like that, things that we're using in everyday life. And then so he had a like little talk about the book with the Japan Society of Northern California over Zoom. I was there, I spoke, I mean, I asked the question and I spoke a bit. And then after me, the moderator was like, oh, our intern from last summer has a question. Everyone, this is our, in, our former intern, Koki, and he was a trainee at the Japanese idol company, Johnny and Associates. I was like, furiously DMing him saying just like, hey, do you want to like interview from Rama Japan? Can we talk to you for a moment? And then so he was like, yeah, sure. We traded emails. I um, put up the, the call for questions. You guys sent in your questions. Um, some were good, some were bad, some were really bad, like <laughs> asking what his favorite winter sport was. I mean, not a good question. Sorry, whoever wrote that, not a good question. Um, and then so I did the interview, and then everything came out great. And then Actually, Hannah, I remember speaking of you about this, if I should go and do this, and you were just like, you need to phrase it in such a way so that... You don't get canceled into 2025. No, this is the first part. You need to phrase it in such a way so that he doesn't get offended. And so... I phrased it in such a way to make it more, um, I phrased it in such a way to make it more relevant to the current situation. Because mm -hmm. as me and Hannah have talked about before, Arashi has been doing all these interviews recently, trying to, their last ditch effort for international fame. Um, so, a lot of these interviews with like the Hollywood Reporter and Billboard and Variety have all mm -hmm. mentioned the sexual abuse of the company, but they never actually asked Arashi about it. So I asked Koki. And um, so basically what he said is that, um, yes, there was abuse in the company. Well, remember how he phrased it. He said there was I'm not, a I'm not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say exactly what he said. Mm -hmm. Because 
because okay so i'll just admit it if, well the thing is though is that koki does speak english he's spoken english for most of his life if you've read the interview you know that because he said that he started studying english when he was in junior high school and now he's a senior in college so he's been studying english for like about a decade now it's even his it's even his major in university right now so i would say he's pretty good like advanced i would say if he's majoring in english and has been studying it for like most of his life at this point so um basically what he said was regarding the abuse by kitagawa what i can say is that he was gay and some of johnny's juniors hoped to have sexual intercourse with him because he had the privilege of deciding who deserved to debut i'm not certain whether this counts as abuse or not but it's certain that there was sexual intercourse between johnny's jr and kitagawa so i was quite shocked at his answer and i remember reading it to hannah and i read it to a couple of other friends too and everyone was just shocked. Not because it was new information, but because everyone knows this. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows this. But the thing is, though, is that there hadn't been new confirmation of this information in about 20 years. When's what, the last time anyone admitted to this? So the last time that I found, because I looked up several articles, and the last time I found... Well, the first time was in the 80s, was when the one member of Four Leaves, whose name I forget right now, I think his name was Koji, mm -hmm. he wrote the book um, Hikaru Genji-e. Wait, you know what's really funny? So I actually tried finding that book. Mm -hmm. It is now completely out of print, even though it's sold really well. And that's entirely because of Johnny's. So for those who don't know, that title translates as into like to Hikaru Genji. Mm -hmm. So basically it was him telling his experience of being in a Johnny's group and kind of saying, hey, this is what happened to me. So I remember reading excerpts from that book and basically he described him and Johnny as being kind of like a married couple and that basically he, they were doing what married couples do which was like we're constantly having sex but the thing is though is that he was underage at some point and also there was the whole power dynamic of it of him constantly having sex with his boss yeah like he couldn't really say no so the thing is though is that there have been several johnnies that have come forward some anonymously, some underneath their own name, some like through investigations. Most, the big noticeable one was the one that Bunshin did. It was a series that they did like in 1999 and 2000, which also led to the court case. And the court case basically said, Johnny basically sued Bunshin for, um, for slander. And he basically said, that, oh, you guys are saying that, like, the idols are drinking and smoking and that I'm molesting them. So the part about drinking and smoking was thrown out, but the molestation part was they were like, yeah, we have enough evidence to basically said you did that. And there was never, like, a trial or anything. He was never convicted or anything like that. So 
ever since then, it has been something that has been like an open secret in Japan. And we haven't really had anyone say anything new about it in about 20 years. There was like a, there was a, there was people in like, like I said, the 80s, the 90s, the very early 2000s, but like nothing really in 20 years. And then Koki came forward and said this. And then about and 20, all hell broke loose. <laughs> about, 20, about 24 hours later, it was asked that we take out the part about the sexual abuse. So it was removed. And, um, but by that point, it had already spread mm-hmm. to around the world, really. I mean, like, basically the international fandom, like the Arama readers, English speakers, Spanish speakers, um, Indonesians, Malaysians, Thai people, they were all talking about it. And then it made its way to Japan. Like, I was just looking on the Twitter feed and people just like retweeting in every language. And then it, I started seeing the kanji. Yep. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, now I'm only seeing kanji. Okay. So the article then made its way to Saizo. One of our favorite gossip rags. Um, Thank you, Saizo. It made its way to Saizo. And then it also made its way to Tu Chan. Thank you, Tu Chan listeners. And I remember saying to Hannah, I just want this to get to Tu Chan. <laughs> like, just get to Tu Chan. That's all I want. Just get to Tu Chan. And then it made it to Tu Chan. And so basically, there was a couple of mixed reactions from everybody. It was like, not. Well, the first thing, well, the first thing is that like there are different groups internationally and within Japan. So the one group is kind of just like internationally and Japan is like, oh, we knew about this for years, but someone else has finally said something. Wow. Has the abuse been continuing this whole time? Then the second one was kind of just like, how dare you speak ill of Johnny? Uncle Johnny, eternal producer. Oh, and then my favorite is the people that call him by his Japanese name. Hiromu. I'm just like, oh my God. It reminds me of like, it reminds me of like when K-pop fans call idols by their real names instead of their stage names as like a way of showing closeness. And it's just like, (laughs) are you guys really straight up calling Johnny Kitagawa Hiromu as like a way of showing how close you are to him? The eternal producer. Um, and then, then it got a bit crazy. And the thing that really got to me was when people were saying, he committed a crime. He outed Johnny. Outing is a crime. And the funniest part about this particular section of um, the outrage is that it was very, so all the other bits were very bottoms up. Like this, this was Twitter people saying like, Oh, like Hirumu-san is so amazing. He's the eternal producer. How dare you slander him? Just like typical fan stuff. 
but the crime stuff was really top down it was people speaking out in public and just kind of doing this like tops down like this is the message we want you to say outing is a crime and i'm just like okay since when do you guys care about gay rights for real outing is a crime outing is a crime okay first of all the man is dead who cares if he's outed who cares also, hasn't he been outed for like 40 years now that genji book is basically an outing yeah he's been outed he's been outed um he's dead and literally the outing is linked with allegations actually not even allegations, confirmation of sexual abuse of men, of, of boys and young men. So you literally have child sexual abuse linked with the outing, and all you can look at is the fucking outing? It's, it's very, like, misplaced. Misplaced anger, because... Okay, so I he have... He outed Hiromu-san. yeah. I had, like, someone say that, like, you should have five people just come out at once and, um, and, like, do a group allegation. And I'm like, good luck. More than five. <laughs> Since 1980, we can actually call up every single one of them now because, like, all of the accusers are still alive. Actually, Koji's dead. Okay, sure. Like, one. But, like, a court trial has verified the reality of every single one of these allegations. So, yes. So there was that part. And I will admit, I do feel a bit bad. Because, okay, so when... So basically the interview was finished in November. Like I could have posted the interview the beginning of November, but then I sat and I was just like, do I ask this question or not? And then finally at the end of November, I asked it. And then a couple of weeks later, I got the answer back. And it was said in such a nonchalant way that I was just like, okay. Like, we were both pretty shocked. It was pretty shocking, yeah. And so what happened is that I was just like, you know what? This is like a really big reveal. So you know what? I want to start the new year off with this. So it was the New Year's Day post. And I told Koki and he was just like, oh yeah, really cool. Thank you. And the reason why I feel bad is because like when the interview first came out, he like went and he retweeted it. He left like a little message in English and in Japanese. And then he deleted the retweets and then he uh, and then like it was asked that we take it down so i'm uncertain if whether it was just how he personally felt or if there was pressure from johnny and associates i'm unsure but in the end it was asked that it was taken down yep but in the end it's still there but um I mean, let's also be really honest. For those of you who decided to take this as some sort of slander of Johnny's entertainment, um, 
first of all, get your priorities straight. <laughs> right? Like, Ronald is a big Johnny fan. You um, make it sound like I, you say big Johnny's fan as if like, I'm like sitting here like waving my flag. I mean, wave, I mean like, wave, you wave, like the music. I, I right? do. Like, okay. And you first, like some of first the of all, yes, I will say, I know what you're talking about. This was not a Johnny and Associates hit piece. Exactly. This was not me thinking, I'm bringing down Johnny's. Yeah, it was not me saying that at all. It was not me saying that at all. completely frank, right? Every entertainment company runs into these issues. It doesn't matter whether or not you hear about them because it happens. Um, Sexual harassment is a constant issue and we just need to be on top of it. And so... Us talking about it is not we want to destroy Johnny's. It is we would like for the idols that we support and the musicians and the producers and everyone that we support to work in a healthy environment where, to be completely graphic and very blunt, Johnny's juniors are not being forced into situations where they are have to find themselves being paid like a hooker after getting raped by Johnny Kitagawa in order to debut, right? Yes, like, that is because, not like, a situation we want. Because for the past week, me and Hannah, we've been, like, digging up, like, various posts about Johnny's sexual abuse in English and in Japanese. And there was one article that came out, like, around the time of that he died. Because, first of all, mainstream Japanese media is not going to talk about this. They're just not. Um... It will really only be some gossip posts and also like some, though maybe like a little like snip here and there, but like investigative journalists from independent media who have their own resources. First of all, first of all, I would say, um, I don't think I could have posted this interview anywhere else but Arama. Yeah. Because like the likelihood. Even Vierity could only publish one piece on this nature, and that was right after Johnny Kitagawa died. Because the thing is, though, is that, like, the... First of all, it probably would have been... If I was, like, trying to, like, post this in, like, a Jap... A, like, actual Japanese media, it probably would be shut down, either due to just, like, relations with the company, mm-hmm. Johnny and Associates, or just out of fear of, like, legal action. Yeah. So one person, I remember reading one tweet in Japanese and it was kind of saying just like only foreign media can talk about these things because only foreign media is not afraid of Johnny and Associates. And it just says a lot that like even Bunshin has actually shied away from posting about this, not because they don't have the resources or they don't have like the, the connections to do so, but because they don't want to fight another legal battle, right? Mm-hmm. That legal battle for them took three years. But when he died, Bunshin did kind of like say in his like little like farewell story, just like, oh, by the way, we did like have that series of articles that came out about the sexual abuse 20 years ago. Um, but the one thing I know people hate it when I do this, but like, I'm not saying that the reason why so many idols in the company have had issues is because of sexual abuse, but you see a pattern. 
you see Yamaguchi from Tokyo going and for and forcing himself upon that 16 year old girl which ended up with him leaving the group and the company you see Yamashita Tomohisa um drinking of underage girls and taking one of them back to a hotel and having sex with her and then him eventually leaving the company let's be honest not every abused person becomes becomes an an abuser. abuser and not every abuser was an abused person Yes. But some do. But it just like, like how many times, think to yourself, how many times have you heard about someone from Johnny and Associates drinking or hanging out or having sex with an underage girl? And you need to ask yourself, like, where did they learn that behavior? It's quite a few. It's not like Japanese men go around having sex with 15-year-olds, right? Like, they know it's wrong. But where did they learn that behavior? But um, switching gears, I honestly feel as if the interview was really good, and I feel as if, like, that one, that those two paragraphs kind of overshadowed a lot of good information within the interview, we should talk about like some of the other good answers. Like the K-pop answer was actually very, very good. So one question I asked was, um, like, what are the new rivals that Johnny and Associates sees? I have the interview up in front of me right now, but my computer is being a bit slow. So. One thing I asked them was, oh, what do you think of Johnny and Associates' recent changes like starting social media and YouTube accounts? And his answer was, in my opinion, these changes are good for them because recently K-pop idols and young Japanese actors have taken away attention and popularity among Japanese women from Johnny's. And that actually says, like, they're not living in um in just like yeah they're not living in a bubble they are perfectly aware of all of the threats that exist and they actually realize hey like say you exist actors exist um and especially the k-pop part of it is actually really surprising because you've never really had a K-pop act be a super threat since Tongbang Shinki. Mm. But now it's come up. And I was talking to you the other day about how just like if it was like 2000 if it was 2000 do you know who would be like a Johnny? Like Sudamasaki. Yeah. He would Where be a Johnny. Suda Misaki would have been a Johnny 20 years ago because he's a he's a he's a hot young actor, hot as in like, you know, good career, not as in looks. I don't think he's attractive. Um and he has a hot music career and he's getting like Yunezu Kenji to write his songs for him. Like that basically is the Johnny's playbook. And now another company is like taking it and using it to their own advantage. 
And it's not just Tsuda Masaki. It's actually a bunch of these companies are creating these people. Like, um, so one of the anime groups that I follow, there's actually a former Johnny's who is the head vocalist of one of the groups. In a previous timeline, he would have still been part of Johnny's, but just pursuing a voice acting career. Now he's found the ability to leave and actually start up a very good career with Bushimo, right? This would is not it, have happened that, 20 years is that ago. That, is that that Jibun group you like? No, not Jibun. Um, there's another group that's completely anime related. Hmm. So, also, too, I asked him about dating within the company. Were you allowed to date while in the company? Yes, but we were told to watch out for fans with cameras while we were out on dates because the photos could negatively impact us. What restrictions were you under as a Johnny? There weren't any special restrictions, but I wasn't able to color my hair vivid colors. I mean, we weren't allowed to have social media accounts like Twitter and Instagram. Um... Something else, like one answer that kind of like got to Hannah and um, Rio, who was on our um, our year in podcast, was the one. What do you think of the recent scandals involving the company, like Tokyo's Yamaguchi Tatsuya, News's Tagoshiyuya, and Yamashita's Mohisa? If the scandals are true, I can't agree with what they did because they betrayed their fans. But I think Japanese media sometimes tells lies to get attention. So we have to check information before reacting to scandals. Yeah, we were just like, uh, um. <laughs> that was a very protective answer. Yes. And then this is actually somebody who... Um, this person, I imagine they work in the industry doing something because they're followed by like, they were followed by like a number of people that I follow. Like they were followed by like Taku Takahashi and like Mukai Taichi. And he said something about the contracts within Johnny and Associates. Like what kind of contracts do they have there mm -hmm. in regards to this question? What is the process of leaving the company like? Surprisingly, I just called a manager I decided to leave Johnny Associates. Maybe I can leave in such an easy way because I didn't have such a formal relationship with them at the time. So the person was just like, what kind of contracts do they have where you can just like leave the company like that? Because if you can like leave the company like that, what makes you leave? How can we be sure you can't just be fired like that or exploited in other ways? So I thought that was a little interesting tidbit from somebody. So yeah, all in all, I I thought the interview was really good. I thought it was a good start off for the year. I know it's something that happened in January, but it was basically all completed in December. So I wanted to include it now since it's been out for a week and it's been like the biggest thing on the site this year so far, this young year, it's still actually the number one trending topic on the site a week later. So thank you all for reading it. I would like to do more interviews, um, more interviews soon. I did three interviews last year. I did um, Sky High from AAA. 
I did JP the Wavy, which ended up in the Japan Times, and I did Koki. So yeah, so there'll be more interviews in the future. Somebody suggested that I interview another Johnny. And that I asked them that question too. And I was just like, am I the Gloria Allred of K-pop? K-pop? I mean, J-pop, sorry. Am I I the, mean, as in like, I, I'm the one sniffing out sexual abuse of idols. This at is this wrong. Point, at this point, they have declared war on us. So I feel like they did not declare war on me i do not see ronaldo <laughs> written in <laughs> any of this stuff they didn't uh they didn't formally declare war but this is getting close um there was a lot of arama japan uh, overseas japanese entertainment news organization yeah, I was like, we're was like, a, a news organization. Us, a news crazy. organization? Are we like the AP of J-pop? What? <laughs> we're the Reuters of J-pop. Oh, my God. A Rama J- I, I, remember, I remember, like, reading that in Saizo. I think it was in Saizo. Or on two, I think it was Saizo that called Arama Japan an overseas, in, uh, um, an overseas Japanese entertainment news. I know how's the exact wording that they said. It was something like an independent overseas Japanese entertainment news organization. That's like really funny to me. I guess we got a promotion. <laughs> yes, we're an independent overseas Japanese news organization. Are we the daily but the monthly? <laughs> oh my god. We are the Reuters of J pop. Where's the New York Times? Oh no. <laughs> but um yes, there will be more things to come. Maybe I will interview another Johnny in the future. Perhaps. But this is our Johnny's corner and moving on to Yamapi, the Kameto Yamapi album, which was supposed to come out on April 29th, their debut album, SIC. Was it C or was it SI? Because I know they had Station Amiga where they came up the Spanish thing with the SI. It's supposed to be C. Like, yes, not sure. Um, anyway, April 29th, the album's supposed to come out. It was killed by COVID um, because now it's just permanently shelved. It's never coming out. It's finished, ready to go, but never coming out because Yamapi left the company because he liked drinking and sleeping with underage girls and he was kicked out of the company. Fundamentally, that was the story of every pre-Stones group. Stones or Snowman? One of the two is actually 10 years old, but they just musically debuted, like, last year. Wow. I think. But anyways. Like, well, speaking of, sn- speaking of Snowman, though, like, the hottest one in the group, Iwamoto Hikaru. Ugh problematic he was he last year he was like temporarily put on hiatus because photos of him drinking at a love hotel with underage girls came out oh no god damn it and this is yeah he was temporarily out of the group 
no, he's temporarily on hiatus and then he came back. But um, that's one to look out for because he already made waves a couple of years ago by beating one of his fans on a train platform and like breaking her orbital bone. Just FYI, before you're like, oh my God, how could he do such a thing? This is very typical Johnny's entertainment behavior. Um, before you're like, wait, Hannah, you're exaggerating. No, Arashi has a history of this behavior. And clearly, they both of them learned it from someone else. Like, there's photos of the girl. Like, literally, it looks like he, like, beat a side of her head in. Because it's, like, just swollen and black and blue. And he was just like, she was... And, oh, there were fans on Arama even saying just, like, when when people bring this up, it's just like, she was a stalker. She deserved it. Okay. Okay, like... It's one thing, like, maybe, like, running away or saying no pictures. Or maybe even, like, if she gets too close to you or, like, touches you, like, pushing her away. But, like, punching her to the point where you break her orbital bone? That's like, another story. Sakurai show and beat someone with an umbrella, right? So, clearly, our Japan podcast does not condone abusive behavior, including but not limited to running over policemen with cars, um, beating people up with umbrellas. Who ran someone over a car? One of the SMAP members. Oh. Yeah, that was in like 2000 when um, that big song came out, right? Like, we do not condone punching people's eye sockets in. We do not condone date rape. Um, Please don't do any of this. I don't even need to say that like, this is, this is like just within Johnny's. This is actually like a industry-wide, like, male idol problem oh by the way by the way show beating fans with his umbrella is like a running joke now with arashi fans yeah it's actually like that's how bad it is they think it's like some they think it's like some like cute little thing like he was like some like woman or something like like it's not even okay even if you're a weak girl, but like if you're Sakurai show, you're clearly working out all the time. That is doubly not, not by the way his face looks. <laughs> no comment there. But like clearly, you know, because this isn't just this isn't just a J-pop thing. Like Kim from Function Key, now in JYJ, she actually has. This is also a running joke that, like, if you get within five foot of him as a fan, he will literally beat the living daylights out of you. Mm-hmm. This podcast does not condone such behavior. And now we go to Hikaru's group, Snowman. In okay. December, his group mate, Miyadate Ryota, tested positive for COVID. And then a couple of days later, they were just like, hey, the whole group is now going on temporary hiatus to go into quarantine. So they missed um, their Kohaku debut. And they also missed Music Station Super Live. But they did manage to do Johnny's Countdown because that was recorded in advance because they could not be part of the live show. Because um, Raul is 17 and he's underage, so therefore he could not be part of the show. 
So they filmed their part ahead of time. So COVID once again taking out Johnny. So I mean, but Snowman has a really eventful year then. Yeah. Because you just said that one of them got taken out in the middle of the year due to the the abuse thing. And that wasn't it wasn't abuse. It wasn't abuse. Friday posted pictures of him from a, from back from his junior days drinking with underage girls at a love hotel. That's abuse, man. Oh. Okay. I mean like if you're if you're giving an underage girl um and you're overage that that's still abuse. I just think it's weird there's a 27-year-old and a 17-year-old in the same group. I don't even want to know. <laughs> like, one of the two was uh, probably personally selected by Johnny, and I don't want to know. I'm also shocked that there's, like, Johnny's over six feet tall. Yeah, that is actually really surprising because usually they're all really short. Like, ugh, I know, like, like, Chinin from Heisei Jump is 5'3", and I'm just like, what? You're 5'3"? And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just very, but yeah, Raul is 6'2", and Hikaru is six feet tall. And I'm just like, because like the thing is, so is that um, Snowman released the video for Grandeur, which I actually kind of like do like the song. And like, the thing is, though, is that I felt weird watching Raul dance because it was kind of just like, why does he look so strange dancing? And I'm like, oh yeah, because I've never seen someone that tall dance before. Wait, but that's like 90% of K-pop groups now. They're all over six foot. Well, I don't watch K-pop groups. Okay, no wonder. The last time I watched the K-pop group actively was like 2011. I mean, but he was six foot tall too. Who was? I think Rain is. Rain is not six feet tall. Let me look this up. The thing is, though, is that Rain's body is more proportioned, where he like he doesn't look so long and lean like Raul does, and I feel very strange saying the words "long and lean" about a seventeen-year-old. Rain is six one. He doesn't look six one. You mean he's well proportioned? Yes, this boy looks very tall and very thin. But yeah, like. Snowman is now active again because um, they've all come out of quarantine. And the thing is, though, is that I feel like I'm very close to being a full-on Snowman fan. I would actually say I like... Okay, so when the year started off, was that Snowman and um, Stones, like, double single? Oh, my God. The readers are going to... I mean, the, the listeners are going to be so happy you finally said Stones. Right? But, like... New okay. year, new you. I'm, 
I'm not joking. I was actually very tempted to buy the Stones' new album, the the Six T. Mm-hmm. Was it the Yoasobi song? It wasn't just the Yoasobi song. I've actually really liked both groups' output. Like, I kid you not. I don't think I've been this pro um, releases of any j-pop boy group with the exception of genyun and the other like um the other stardust boy groups with dish magic boys prismax yeah like putting them aside and my my favorite my favorite named one would be secret guys milk do you know why Secret Guys is called Secret Guys? No, why? It's actually kind of fucked up. Um, they're all trans men. So now that now, now that I told you that the name's kind of fucked up, isn't it? Yeah, but then it's Japan. <laughs> like let's like, name our let's name our trans man group Secret Guys because they have a secret. Yeah, I just don't know how I feel about that. But I will say their music is good, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like a lot of a lot of um a lot of Johnny's groups have existed, but none have been this consistent. I will in say like that a decade. in a decade. I will say that because like just focusing on snowman because stones i'm kind of just like yeah like i didn't i didn't like endless rain i was like uh i personally right, but endless rain was written for me right i yeah, like the, the yoshiki fan yeah because i'm just like okay i like dd because like dancing dynamite gets caught in my head like from time to time i'm yeah, just it's like i'm like okay i like that and then like Kissing My Lips is basically all in English. Mm. And like not like Ayumi Hamasaki English, where like you don't know it's in English. Like you can actually tell it's in English. And it's proper English. It's actually it's it's decent English. Yeah. And then like now their third single, Grandeur, I'm just like, I like this. You mean um, it's like really good? I'm like and I can watch it on YouTube. And I can yeah, watch that like, would actually be why I have a stronger opinion about all of this. Because I'm actually able to judge all of their music real time now and not in like two years when I finally get it on streaming. Right. Oh, please just go. Girl, I post the music shows every week for the past five or six years. You can just watch them there. Okay, but let's let's also be honest right like last month was also the first month in a very very long time where johnny's went after like twitter fan accounts of stones and everything and i literally tweeted am i going to get like harassed for liking johnny's Hmm. this never happened to me when i ran a live journal account just saying and that shows you just how old hannah is 
Speaking, speaking, of, speaking of old, Arashi's finally gone. And you know Too what? Wrong. I'm finally, the evil has been defeated. I'm finally glad they're gone. I don't hate them. I just don't think they're that good. Okay, well, I did think they were that good. And I'm still happy they are gone. Why? Because it's just taken forever. And you you look at Ono and you know he is so done. They just dragged just so it done. out. They just dragged it out. Like, I remember... um the last regular episode of Music Station this in 2020, they had like an hour dedicated to Arashi. And like, it's just like, we don't need like Arashi's final appearance on regular Music Station. Arashi's final appearance on Music Station Ultra Super Live Duper Fest. We don't need Ar- Arashi's last appearance on FNS Kaiosai. Arashi's last, we don't need all of that. We don't need all of it. And the worst part is probably that it actually felt worse than Takamina's graduation because at least she wasn't talking about it all year, right? When Takamina graduated in that was actually like a very painful year for me because um, I was just like, can you stop? Can you stop? Like, I, I love Takamina, but I just don't care anymore. <laughs> Like, I feel like they make themselves too available. Like, how am I supposed to miss you if you keep fucking showing up for the next year, talking about how you're leaving? Like, when Namie left, it was, that was like... Actually great. It was she like, announced it a year in advance, but it's not like she showed up on everything. The yeah. only time she really talked about it was, like, the last three weeks before she finally just, like, disappeared. And we- guess who? And guess who ended up selling more of their final album? Namie. Yeah, it shows. Stop showing us your faces and just go away. But it's also just that, like, I feel like a lot of idol groups actually learned from Takamina because I think a lot of fans actually complained about it. And so when you have these like super high-profile graduations, they make it really quick now. They literally do all of their graduation, all their like final quote unquote final events, right? Happen in the last four weeks. That's that's the only time they talk about it. Only Johnny's does not do this. Mm. But jumping back to Namie, there was a rumor that came out at the end of the year that said that she was releasing a new best album. And you know what? Some oomphs on Twitter said this was going to happen when Avex announced that they were going broke. Oh, yeah. So basically, this rumor has come and gone. Apparently, it's been disproved. But the fact that just like people were jokingly saying this like, a month ago and now they're kind of just like oh yeah it's actually supposed to be happening at the time and now supposedly it's not because people were just like oh avex has no money so what are they gonna do oh milk their catalog who can and they- honestly their catalog is actually pretty worth milking but who's ca- no one wants to listen to a trf best album i want to listen to a tk best album 
Yeah, I don't see that selling. Sorry. But um, Avex's woes continue. Well, I guess it's not woes at this point because they actually did have some success with their efforts to like cut costs. So they did sell their building. And by selling their building, they are going to gain 29 billion yen. They signed the contract on the 28th of December and the sale will be complete on March 26th. They also got 103 employees age 40 and over to voluntarily retire. So that too will save them money. So it looks like Avex is going and actually figuring out how to not fall apart. I mean, I guess like Avex is the most public of them, right? But how many people are really like this? Well, the thing is, though, too, is that like other labels are hurting, as someone at Avex said, but other labels also have acts that do well currently. Avex has like no one that they manage that they're doing that's doing well. Yeah. I mean, it says a lot that Seiko is the highest, right? And not Masuda. They wish it was Masuda Seiko. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of more Avex woes, um, Ayumi Hamasaki and Kodakumi both canceled their um, concerts in December due to COVID. So that's more money they could have had in the bank, but now they don't. So we just see the continuation of so we had a period in the beginning of the year where there were live events, then COVID hit, then there was no live events, and live events came back, and now live events are going away again as we enter the new year. Happy 2021, listeners. And speaking of 2020 events, the Tokyo Olympics. So it was announced that the... 2020, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics and Paralympics Ceremonies Committee was dissolved. At a press conference on the 23rd, it was announced that the committees which were planning the four ceremonies, the two closing and two opening for the Olympics and Paralympics is no longer going to exist. And basically two of the big names that were attached to this were Shino Ringo and the choreographer Mikiko, who does the choreography for Perfume, Baby Metal, and Hoshino Gen, among others. So, so basically what is happening is that they basically want to scale everything down due to the pandemic. So they're keeping one person that was part of this committee and that is Sasaki Hiroshi who is the executive creative director for the opening and closing ceremonies of the Paralympic Games he is now handling all four ceremonies and he said I want to express some sort of breakthrough or hope for the future in the ceremonies this is a chance to change the inflated image of Olympic ceremonies as being flamboyant stage shows what the fuck does that mean? That is the reason why people watch these shows. It's a time to show off. 
like the opening ceremony is supposed to be the opening closing ceremonies are supposed to be the biggest pro Japan commercial since 1964 when the Olympics happened before in Tokyo. And now he's just like, oh, make it small. Like what? So basically they're going to have a whole new ceremony. They're going to have all new ceremonies. And the thing that sucks is that 80% of the work was originally, or 80%, 80% of the work was already done for the ceremonies. And now they're just going to start over from scratch. And you know what? I honestly don't think that these Olympics are going to happen now. Yeah. I mean, just the rollout of the vaccines alone is just way too slow. It's it's so logistical. It's too slow and it's too late. Like, they're not going to start vaccinating anyone in Japan until February. Yeah. Like, sure, Japan, Japan ordered half a billion doses for, like, 130 million people. So they have enough of the vaccine to go and give everyone the vaccine three times and still have, like, tens of millions of doses left over. But I don't... For all the... Everyone always talks about how efficient and how futuristic whatever Japan is. And that's not reality. It's just not. So I, and personally, the thing I look forward to the most were the ceremonies. So honestly, if their ceremonies are going to be like, like some fucking Zoom meeting ceremony, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I mean, I also just don't think they have the vision to make it good. Budget ass ceremony. And of course, of course, everyone used this as an opportunity to drag Ringo. Mm-hmm. As Oomph on Twitter said, years of right-wing bootlicking and look what it got her. I mean, okay, to be fair, I kind of agree. Okay. I kind of agree. Like, let's let's be honest. Sheena was building up to this moment where she could control a national event. Mm-hmm. And look what it got. Hmm. Well. That's that. So, yeah, we don't know what that grand ceremony was supposed to be. Another COVID casualty. R.I.P. So, we now have an actor corner. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like this is like, the Arama Japan podcast, Kohaku, of all these different corners. So, um, Arata Makinu is suspending his Japanese activities in 2021 so that he can go overseas and be a star there. Um, he is, he was born and raised in California. So, 
he is a native English speaker. However, the idea of, okay, I'll just say it, I'll be blunt. There are no Asian actors in the US really. Why are you leaving? Yeah. Why are you leaving Japan? Okay, but, 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 of all of the people who have reason to leave Japan, Makenkyu is like number one. I don't blame him at all. Because let's talk a little bit about his history. Oh, God. Because we need to bring this up. We need to bring this up. I mean, I feel like we need to trigger warn this entire podcast. For sexual abuse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Makenkyu was literally socially lynched by all of Japan for having the audacity to be raped as an underage child by a woman. Okay. Um, I think we should preface it. I'm not not saying that it makes it any better, but when you say underage child, I I just get the idea of just like it being a six-year-old and he was 14. That's true. But 14 is like barely better. Yes. Not really. He he had gone through puberty and he was old enough to father a child. So like, I don't know, like you just saying like child rape just makes me think of just like a five-year-old. And true, but 14 is barely better. <laughs> yes. True. Like, like, let's be honest. And wasn't it like his mom's friend or something? And like his no. mom's friend now has the kid in California. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, like, let's put aside, you know, the troubling aspect that his mom kind of had to be okay with this. But like, the fact that Japan blamed him, not, I was actually really happy when all the news about Lisa came out and the only reaction people really had was, whatever, it was in the past, right? What because happened with like, Lisa? So apparently Lisa in like junior high school and high school, she was just like a very rowdy kid. She was smoking, she was drinking, you know, she, she looks like school, the type. Right? But like nobody really cared, right? I felt like with Makenkyu, the proper reaction as a normal human being should have been, I'm very sorry that happened to you. Mm-hmm. Not, how could you father a child? Yeah. Well, I don't want to say this is the same country that was just like, Outing is a crime, but I mean, I get that, I get that, but there's just something so wrong about that reaction. So, to me, even if there are no Asian actors of note, I mean, there are some, right? They're not big, big, but some exist. I want him to succeed because I feel like he has the biggest and best reasons to leave Japan. Well, he has four movies coming out like this year. So he has a successful career. So is it really worth it? 
do you think it's worth it? I I don't even care if it's worth it. I just want him to be in a mentally better place. Mm. Uh, well, we wish him luck. We shall see. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like, I don't, it's not me being racist. I'm not a racist. It's me being, like, realistic. But, like, I just don't see it happening. Sorry. Like, I just see him, like, I just see him, like, randomly in a movie as a sidekick doing karate. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's it's just it's tropes. Sad. It's just tropes with Asian it's actors. Sad. It's sad, but at least he's East Asian, so it'll be a little bit easier. Because if they say, "Oh, we need to cast Asian people," it's always going to be somebody from China, Japan, or Korea. Mm. Okay, this one really is a trigger warning. Actually, even has a trigger warning on the site. Um, Ozawa Ren, who um, he is an actor. He's an actor. Um, I'm surprised you don't know who he is, Hannah. He he like does like otaku stuff from the looks of it. Is he the one that does all of the live action remakes of everything? He does like stage shows of like ensemble stars. Oh, ensemble yeah, stars would on stage. Know him if like I see his face. <laughs> so basically, his contract was terminated with his management company because Bunshin revealed his previous. Um, relationship which was very 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 bad so he's currently 29 he started dating his ex-girlfriend when he was 23 and she was 16 first of all 16 and 23 the relationship lasted for five years and then so um, during inter intercourse he would regularly beat her well he would beat her all the time and especially during intercourse. Um, she had large black and br black bruises printed in the um, in Bunchen in the article. When she was pregnant, the abuse didn't stop. Instead, her being pregnant angered him and he questioned if it was his child. He demanded that she get an abortion, and she refused. Um, he then one time grabbed her and threw her onto the bed, and then he repeatedly hit her stomach, yelling that he didn't want the baby to be born and that she should have an abortion. Um, she ended up going through with the abortion, and she ended up have she ended up getting um, endomyosis, which is um, a condition in the uterus which can cause severe menstrual cramps, lower abdominal pressure, and even bloating. 
Um, she still stayed with him after that because she feared him. She this moved- is typical of abuse victims, just FYI, if you're listening. She moves out of their shared home in September. And then he was always trying to like find ways to get her back. And then on November 28th, Ozawa requested that his ex-girlfriend meet him at his place for a civil meetup. She arrived when he was nowhere to be seen. She called him and he told her that he had forgotten about the meeting and jeered her over the phone. Physically and mentally exhausted, she attempted suicide at their formerly shared home. Luckily, a friend was able to intervene and she survived. So you have this underage girl who pretty much gets into this relationship with this predator who then emotionally and physically abuses her, um, questions whether their child is his, forces her to get an abortion, beats her while pregnant so that she can miscarry, um, and then leads her to attempting suicide, which was thankfully unsuccessful. And then, oh, the best thing that he did was that he apologized for any inconvenience and concern. Yes. I have to, I have to say, like, most of the time when female idols get into scandals, it's usually something like, you know, their boyfriend uploaded all of her nudes online or she supports like Donald Trump, which is an actual scandal that happened. But like, this is some next level stuff, man. Mm. Yeah, it is a lot going on. It's a very messy situation. And it's just it's it's one of like the worst I have heard of. It's just so ugh. it's it's really bad. It's really bad. But hopefully she gets all the help that she needs, and hopefully um, one day he gets to meet Johnny Kitagawa in hell. <laughs> I mean, one would hope that he repents and like changes his ways, but. Given the nature of how he apologized, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. It's very like, I'm sorry I got caught. Yeah. It's like the Beyonce song. You're only sorry because you got caught. Oh my god, you actually know a western song. Shocking. Any other little tidbits you like to add in for the month of December, Hannah? I have to say, this podcast is more depressing than usual, but musically, musically, it was an amazing month. (laughs) I remember one big thing that like a lot of people were saying was that everyone had their year end posts like ready to go, like the first week of December. And then it was just like, oh, album coming out. Oh, new digital single. Oh, new this, new that. And it's just like, 
oh, Japan didn't stop in December. Yeah. And, okay, so, so for example, for example, TK, one of my, my favorite acts of all time, not, not Tetsuya Kimura, but the other TK, right? And Hirate both released amazing singles in December. And I was like, why? But why? <laughs> why couldn't you have released this before I made all of my year-end posts? Well, that is just too bad. So what are some of the other things you liked in December? So last month, we had Bro on the podcast. And when he was talking, he was talking about um, Asaki's new album. I also really loved Hyper Angry Cat. And the only reason why it didn't take number one from Mikma Shelter is literally because it came out too recently. Wait, is that that Forsky Forsky girl? Yeah. How do you say her name? Asaki. Oh, so the fours are A's. Yeah. Okay. It's like a very common thing, but Asaki. And also the best Annie song album came out in December, literally a week before the year ended and I was like you have no reason to be this good but you chose to be which I appreciate but is also very baffling who it's was called, it uh sky full of magic it's a franchise called lapis the relights and everybody before the album came out was kind of like yeah yeah, yeah it's gonna be good um you know one of the songs on it was very very like popular with fans but it was also tracked really well it is probably one of if not the very first Annie song albums where you don't actually want to press shuffle play because the tracking makes sense Mm. and I was just like but why? <laughs> why is it so good? And like a bunch of Annie song soloists came out with really, really good stuff, right? Ito Miku had a fantastic debut album. And there was actually one that you liked, which you should talk about right now. Oh, Furihata Ai. Yeah. So um, I think we talked about her when her first mini album came out in September. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe so. I think it may, I don't know if it was actually on the podcast or maybe it was like kind of like a pre or post conversation. The, the, the untucked version of the Arama podcast. Um, so she had her second mini album come out December 23rd. Again, people waiting until the very last minute to put things out this year. And basically her new mini album was called Makeup. And it basically saw her continuing with this city pop sound that she said that she hopes to become associated with. So basically, for all you people that miss Yukika, because mm-hmm. she no longer like is active, for those who don't know, because she wasn't really, she was not active in Japan, Yukika was a Japanese girl that moved to Korea to make city pop songs in Korean for the Korean audience. 
That was her producer's choice. Yeah. So now you have I, who, she comes from Love Live, right? Yep. She is one of, so, okay. So if you actually check my top 10 songs, there is a music video that one of my friends um, very aptly calls the the with capital T Hannah video because it's very troll and it's called Cotton Candy I I because her name um her name in the TV show is Ruby but we all just all we all know her as like Footy Eye right so it's a very very troll video if you happen to check out this mini album or her previous one which everyone listening to this should because it's a very, very, very nice city pop album. For all of you Showa pop stands yes. in Hag Twitter, I remember when her first mini album came out, actually, I think it really was like a pre or post conversation. I remember Tim was just like listening to her, her first mini album, which came out in September and it's called Moonrise. Um, he was just like, you can literally listen to every song and know who was the inspiration for that song. And she specifically said in an interview, that was a deliberate choice. It's not like they didn't have any ideas and they just wanted to copy someone. She was like, this is a collection of my favorite Showa idols that I remade in my own style. Mm. So... First mini album was in September. It was called Moonrise. Second one was in, in December. It was called Makeup. And yeah, so if you like city pop or show a pop, you should definitely check it out. And you know what I actually realized? Step and a Step came out in December. Oh, it did, didn't it? Yeah. I kept on thinking it was a November release, probably because of the music video. Yeah. But yeah, Step and a Step came out in December. So yeah, it was a jam freaking back December. Step and a Step is cute. I definitely like it more than Make You Happy. I actually really liked it. So if you look at the comments for Step and a Step, like you're going to obviously see a bunch of English comments. But if you translate some of the Japanese comments, I love what some of them are saying because I actually like feel it. Step in a Step was basically a song made for Mihi. And if you don't know who she is, she's a girl that had to take a break because she had anxiety disorder and her anxiety got too bad and they let her take a break. This is just what JLP does. She's actually in the video too. Yeah. They, they make her like the quasi-focus of the video because the song is actually about her. She's like on the island alone, looking sad and lonely. And then one of the other members like gets on a little canoe and finds her. And like, it's like, yeah. everything will be fine. Everything will be all right. Oh my God. People are going to hate that part. <laughs> but like, that's exactly what the song is. And it's actually a really nice note to end 2020 on. That actually yeah. was really me singing the song though. Cause I actually is part of the song. Yes. That that's actual like that's an actual quote from the song because everything will be all right. It's super cute. Like the entire the the 
focus of the song is like everybody has their own way to do things and it's okay if you take like a side road and basically you listen to the song and you're like this is for me like no wonder she's in the music video right mm-hmm. i actually like the rap parts of the song i mean the girl zebra's daughter i i kind of hope she can rap <laughs> But the thing is, though, too, is that, like, it's so, um... It's very old school, isn't it? Yeah, but the other thing that gets me, too, is that, like, I'm not used to seeing Japanese female idols rap. That's true. Like, they're actually being, like, a rap break in the song. Like, you mean, like, a good rap, not, like, the the fake, like, K-pop idols trying to rap. No, but even just, like, a rap break in general in a Japanese female idol song. Like, AKB didn't have rap breaks. Nogizaka doesn't have rap breaks. They speak really fast, but there's no rap break. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, actual rhythm to it. Yeah, it's just like... It's just, just speak little... really, really fast. I don't know the name of the song, so therefore I don't know the words. But, like... Isn't there like okay? There's some. There's some. I'll see if I can like kind of like hum it. There's like some forty six song, and it's like like it's like they're they're like talking really fast, and they're going like this, and they're going like this, and they go high up a little bit. It does that sound familiar to you? Sekai ni aishikanai. Is that the second Keakizaka single? I don't know. It could be. I, I don't even know the name of the song. I was just like like thinking of like you said fast talking and I was like, yeah, there's like a song like that I remember like hearing. Yeah, where they basically have like just speaking breaks. Right? But that's not rapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not rapping. This was like actual proper rap. And I think one of the main reasons why I think both you and I really like this song is because the rap style isn't like a dao, like daoko like whisper rap style, mm-hmm. right? It's not like the the Suyobu no Campanella, like I'm going to speak in different tones rap, right? It's the much older, like the classic M flow, like there's a beat to it and it's all gonna be in this even tone, kind of like old school almost rap from like 2003 and like the entire song kind of even feels like a little bit dated because it has like the weird instrumentation from like 2005 so it's both new but it feels old um so okay this has literally been like a little thing I've been talking, I was literally talked about this in the January podcast and I'm talking about it in December podcast too. And that would be uh, one of my, I don't even know how to describe them now, but um, Amino Parade. It's, um, they released their second album of 2020 in December called Face to Face. 
in January, they released the album Borderless. And it is better than their previous album. I would say it's even better than the album before that. Like, I do like it. It's um, It exceeded my expectations because it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But I would say I do like it. But, like, I was just looking at it, a comment on it, which I didn't see before. And this comment basically sums up what I feel about the band. And it is... It amazes me how they went from one of the most promising J-pop bands in recent years, at least for me, to an average band which can barely make a remarkable song even after a bunch of releases. Their first full-length album is so breathtaking, so full of energy, so creative. The second is also good, but not as much as the first. And from the third onwards, they're just walking in circles. The past three albums, including this new one, are pretty un- are pretty forgettable. This cover is awful, by the way. At least Borderless had an amazing cover. If you guys think back to a year ago, I actually named Amino Parade Stage as my favorite song of last decade. And now I'm basically saying, actually, you know what? This is this has been something I've been talking about all year because December of 2019, I named Stage my favorite song of the decade. They beat Sakanaction's music for me. Okay, this is a big deal, just saying. For all of you guys. (laughs) Like, the thing is, though, is that... The thing is, though, is that... When Amino Parade came out... I... Didn't really think of them as, like... Groundbreaking... Or doing something totally new. I thought of them as taking two bands I really like, Sokken Action and the XX, a British band, and fusing them together. Um, To the point where I remember when, I think it was their second album that came out, or maybe their first album that came out. I think it was Patrick Semichel who said on Twitter, you can really tell that Amino Parade likes Sokken Action and the XX. And I remember (laughs) being just like, that is why I love them. Because, like, basically, they, they took Sakan Action and the XX and they fused it together. This is very big praise coming from Ronald for all you listeners. If you want to bribe him, you get him something for Sakan Action. Yes. Yes. Like that DVD set, which um, comes packaged as a styrofoam cooler full of fish. Or or that jacket with the QR code that he's oh my god the, the QR code jacket I need oh my god I need to call Tomoka come to Garcon and see if they still have that <laughs> I remember trying on that jacket like a couple of days after it came out because it came out in in um, Japan a week before it came out actually it came out in December in, in the U S it came out the day after Thanksgiving the Saturday after Thanksgiving in Japan. And it came out a week later in the U.S., so December. And I remember going to Come to Garçon in Chelsea. And as you know, Hannah, I feel like every time I go to New York, it's my last time going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I'm just like, it's insane to me to think right now how like, I literally feel as if like March, June, 
I mean, like March, April, I can't even still say the months now, that March, April, May, June were like a complete waste of time and energy when the virus rate that we had then is an anthill compared to the fucking Mount Everest we're on now as a country. Yeah, it's really bad. I'm like, like thinking about it, I'm just like, I sat in my house for three months doing nothing when the national growth rate was the same as my state's growth rate currently. And now the national growth rate is the same size as the world's growth rate back then. It is really bad right now. <laughs> like, like how many new cases have we have a week a day now? We're getting like what two hundred and fifty thousand new cases a day. Yeah, we're but having you. You have to remember though, right? That like the the outcomes are way better. We're having four thousand people a day die now. Yes, but realize, like, if it was the rate it was back in March, that would be a very different number. So, going back to Japanese music. um, (laughs) No more depressing stuff. Oh, this podcast episode has been full of just, like, child rape and... Depressing. Abuse and... Everything will be all right. Um, so I tried the jacket on in Come to Garçon. And I loved it. And they were like, we only have a size run. And I was just like, oh, should I get it now? Should I wait? What should I do? And I thought to myself, who's going to buy this jacket besides me? Realistically, who's going to buy a sock and action jacket in New York? Realistically. I would buy it just to spite you. <laughs> but um, I remember um, the saleswoman that was helping me, Tomoko, and there was another Japanese woman working there, and they were, like, talking about the viral rate in Japan. And they were just like they were talking about it and I remember just thinking to myself you're talking about how bad the virus is getting there meanwhile you live in the U.S. like I like yeah, the I don't US is infinitely worse. I don't mean to make light of Japan's numbers but I look at Japan's numbers and I'm just like 800 new cases in Tokyo like there's 30 million people in Tokyo that's like nothing Like, there were 130, like, my county has, like, I think half a million people, and we had, like, 200 new cases yesterday. So I'm just like, that's nothing. Okay. But um, going back to Amino Parade. So, yeah, like... The first, the first album, amazing. The second album, I loved. The second album had stage on it. My favorite song of last decade. They actually topped, that's actually topped Stock and Action's music for me. 
I love, love, love that song. And the third album, the wheels started coming off. And then the fourth album, and then the fifth album, this album was this album actually came out because they wanted to thank fans for um it was their way of thanking fans because they couldn't do live shows this year. And you know what? I actually welcome that because this album actually is their best album since their third album. So I hope that maybe we can go back to the second or first album. That would be amazing. But there's a but there. What's the but? Let's just say we've been let down by bands like this before. <laughs> like who? Like, okay, so technically they're not a band. They are like, a band. No, no, no. I'm talking about some of the other groups that I'm thinking about. Oh. Like, like Suyovino Campanella is the, the easiest one for me to think of. Mm, yeah. Right. Where they were just going so good. And then things just went sideways. Well, that was different because like basically basically they they pretty much got up their own asses. Like they started making like no one wanted fucking field recording songs from them. And like Komai couldn't keep her clothes on. She like ran she wanted to be naked in everybody's magazine and nobody wanted to see that. No one wanted to, no one wanted she was just a weird girl and no one wanted to hear that. Like, why are you wishing Fidel Castro a happy birthday on Instagram? Like, what? This is just Comey things. <laughs> Hashtag. So, now we're going to go to another album I really liked. And that would be the new Yumi Matsutoya album. Shinkai no Machi is her 39th studio album. And, and somehow she manages to maintain the quality yes. 39 albums later. Yes. Um, so I really enjoyed the album. It really like puts you like in a mood. Um, so I've been listening to the title track since it came out as a digital single. I think it may have been 2019 it came out. I'm not sure. But I love the title track. And then I also, that's the closer of the album. I also love the opener of the album, 1920. But it's just an overall good album. I really enjoyed it. And I really, like Hannah just said, she's been able to keep up the quality of her music now for over 40 years. I mean, but also, like, let's take a moment to realize that when you listen to a Yumi Matsutoya album from 2020, she's not like a Yoshiki that sounds like he still did 25 years ago. She actually sounds completely different even from the Yumi Matsutoya three years ago. Mm. And that's the amazing part. For all that she is a right-wing jerk. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> you knew I had to throw that in there. She's amazing when it comes to music. So you guys should really just 
check out the December releases. They were very good. Yeah, I like that's definitely an album to to, to check out. Um, trying to think, is there anything, anything else? Um, I think that's about it for December. So even though we did our year in episode a couple of weeks ago, this is like the actual end of the calendar year. I feel like maybe like the last episode was like fiscal year 2020 and this is like calendar year 2020. Yes, the Arama yeah. Japan podcast has fiscal years. Um, so, any last words, Hannah? Last year may have sucked from an emotionally, from an emotional standpoint, but everything will be all right. And Ronald can't sing, but neither can I, so I can't say anything. <laughs> Um, well, I said my bit thanking everybody for the year and supporting and everything with the year-end podcast. So just like reiterating that again to all you fine folks listening tonight, today, tomorrow. Um, so yes. That was December. It was a very eventful month. And let's see where 2020 takes us. Oh, my God. 2021. 2021. 20, let's see where 2021 takes us. All right. And good night. Good night, folks. <laughs>